The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Eight minutes after eight. Thank you so much for tuning into uh, the forum at eight this morning. So today we are discussing matters relating to ESCOM. Now there are renewed calls for the privatization of ESCOM as the country grapples with rolling blackouts and unpaid power bills amounting to billions. South Africa is considering privatizing the state-owned uh, utility in an effort to raise capital to build new generation capacity. And uh, this morning we are asking you, should ESCOM be privatized? Now, uh, most energy analysts say that privatization is the way to go, but you can be rest assured that there will be resistance from some sectors of society. So what are your views? Do you think ESCOM should be privatized, partially privatized? How do you think the state should go about uh, dealing with this particular matter? I'd love to hear your views. 0891-104-208. That's the call-in number. You can SMS us on the number 34701. Tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. And uh, joining us for this discussion uh, this morning, morning we have uh, Mr. Chris Yelland who's an energy analyst and managing director at EE Publishers. Thanks for coming through uh, Chris. Pleasure. Thank you for having me here. And also with us uh, the head of the ANC's economic transformation cluster Mr. Enoch Bodongwana. Thanks for your time as well. Thank you very much. And of course, we tried uh, to get hold of Irvin Jim. We are still trying to get hold of him. Um, uh, well, in principle agreements, but we'll try and get hold of him because we'd love to hear his perspective as well on this particular matter. But let's just get the ball rolling. Should Eskom be privatized? And of course, why Chris Yellen? Well, the first thing to say is that uh, I'm not ideologically driven to privatization. I'm driven to do things that work. Uh, And the point is uh, that at the moment, uh, the financial uh, sustainability of ESCOM is under serious threat. And the current way of doing things, which was set up 90 years ago in a very different South Africa, has stayed the same and the world has moved on. Uh, We need to look at solutions that work, whatever they are. So if a state-owned enterprise, a monopoly state-owned enterprise is working That's just great, but it clearly is not working. And we cannot just simply continue to do the same old things in the same way when they don't work and when it's costing the country dearly. So in my view, we should be exploring various financial options, which could include many, many different uh, things, including a partial privatization, a sale of certain assets, uh, taking on a strategic equity partners, uh, and many other options. Uh, and, and I think these things need to be explored urgently. Mr. Godongwana, um, as the ANC, what, what is the ANC's stance right now pertaining to the privatization of ESCOM? Because at some point uh, there was a clear expression that this was not a desirable way to go. Look, uh, from the ANC, there's never been a discussion that we should privatize ESCOM. The challenge we have at the moment, what we're discussing, is how to fund ESCOM moving forward. That's the challenge we're, we're, we're grappling with. Uh, part of the discussion, for instance, people are saying you've got to get money from the fiscals, uh, recapitalize ESCOM. Uh, there are some of us who argue that if there's any cent available in the, fisca- in the fiscals, it should be made available for other priorities. For instance, we've got to put more money on the infrastructure. We are currently choking the economy 
both because of the electricity crisis and also because we're not stimulating demand. So if any free money is available from the fiscal, it must be made for available for other pressing needs. So why has the ANC waited uh, this long to address this issue effectively? Because ESCOM has been a bottomless pit for quite some time. 2008 was the last time it declared dividends. No, l- 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 let me say, that I, 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 think, I don't think that's the case. If you take a, a step about 10 years ago, ESCOM was, uh, I mean, even got an international award for being one of the best operators in, in the world. So it's not as, in, I think the decline has been fast uh, uh, and shocking for, uh, for that matter. And lastly, is that what you can, uh, if you drill down, part of the problem has been an absence on a proper maintenance program. So doesn't that point to, you know, um, uh, an incapacity, you know, of uh, basically being able to plan properly and efficiently because whilst Mr. Godongwana says that you know um, the uh, decline has been fast and furious surely this must have been foreseen at some point Chris Yellen. The problem is we're good at making paper plans but we're not good at executing them. I would uh, differ from Mr. Godongwana in in the sense that in fact the option of unbundling ESCOM and a partial privatization in a way has been on the table for many, many years and is in fact the official government policy of the Republic of South Africa as detailed in the government white paper on energy policy of 1998. The only problem is that this documented policy has never been implemented. And one has to ask the question, why? Because this policy does envisage uh, uh, unbundling of ESCOM generation. It envisages an independent system and market operator, and it envisages the rationalization of 185 municipal electricity distributors into six regional electricity distributors. But it's never been implemented, in my view, because government is made up of multiple parties, ANC, the SACP, and Kasatu. And unfortunately, they speak with different voices. And they pull in different directions. And it would have been nice to have Irvin Jim here. It would be nice to have Kusatu here uh, because they uh, have uh, very definite ideologically based views on the question of funding of ESCOM. I uh, think, Chris, our, our understanding of the 1998 white paper is probably different. Um, this, the first set of issues was the uh, white paper envisaged as the first step was the introdu- introduction of in independent power producers, the 70-30 split, yes. not the unbundling of ESCOM. Mm-hmm. In other words, you wanted in, in one way not to have ESCOM as the only player in the generation space. The intention was that ESCOM will control 70% of, of the generation space and 30% will be independent power producers. Where I would agree with you is that what we did not do is to create an environment conducive, conducive to the achievement of that objective. Mm-hmm. In relation to the distribution, an attempt was made, as you are aware, with EDI to create this regional distribution. It did not work. And lastly, not of a discord within the ANC alliance, precisely because uh, electricity is a major revenue generator for municipalities. And there was a big, big resistance to that by the municipality. And as a result, much of the backlog in, 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 in maintenance and investment in, in, in distribution is a result of that boycott by the municipalities. Why should we invest in this thing when it's going to be taken away? And, 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 
estimates now sits about 44 billion rand backlog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but what this does point to is a difference between national government and local government. That is a conflict within government and not a clear alignment of, uh, of position and of views. And that eventually, as you say, led to the uh, abandonment <laughs> no, no, of, of no, the no, rationalization. Let's, let's start by saying, Chris, uh, if you say, I mean, part of this thing, because what I want to say is that government is not necessarily of the same ideology. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first starting point was supposed to have been Cape Town, but the Cape Town was taken by the DA. Mm-hmm. And it reflects different viewpoints from different political parties, which is in the nature of a democratic polity. But ultimately, the constitution <laughs> of South Africa gives the reticulation of electricity as a local government right. And in order to push through uh, that uh, rationalization of, the region, uh, of, of, uh, of electricity distributors would have required uh, a change to the constitution, which I don't think... Uh, the national government uh, was ready or prepared to do at that stage. But I, I take your point. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of contestation yeah. of, of views, uh, and, and I don't think we have a different viewpoint on these matters. Mm. And I think what is very clear right now is that the state cannot afford to uh, continue having um, economic growth constrained by ESCOM's inability to keep the lights on. And for another thing, the state can ill afford to keep bailing out ESCOM at, uh, you know, uh, copious amounts of money. Let let me just say, uh, ESCOM is not in a a, a major crisis as you read in newspapers. Right. It's not. <laughs> it's not an major crisis. Escom is going to have a problem. It's going to have a decline. It's going to have a problem. A profit. But what you are likely to 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 have a problem is uh, is precisely because it's put in a junk a status in terms of the its ability to raise finance becomes a constraint. So while other, I'm, I'm saying the major problem is the maintenance program. I, I sympathize, but I disagree with them. For instance. Uh, uh, after the, the the global crisis and 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 and, and when and, and there was was after two thousand and eight when we had this problem, there was kind of uh, a worry within a government in ESCOM not to or uh, what I call a do load shading because uh, and do maintenance mm-hmm. and, and keep the lights on and to the uh, to the extent that maintenance was not uh, done pro- uh, effectively. So that's the main problem. And, 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 and ESCOM is, is on a massive program now to, 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 to do exactly that. So that in itself, I mean, uh, isn't that a dereliction of duty? Because, again, someone should have foreseen what the eventual outcome of that sort of delay would have been. I'm not at all trying to, to, have, uh, to defend the ESCOM executive. I think they've got to take a bit of a blame. Because part of the problem at the moment we've got low trading uh, in, in this country. It doesn't mean we don't have enough capacity, but it's precisely because of unplanned outages. Can I come in here and say I agree that the uh, immediate cause of the problems is maintenance. But why do we have a maintenance problem? It's not because Eskom don't know how to do maintenance, nor is it because they don't want to do maintenance, nor is it because they don't have money to do maintenance. The problem is they don't have the space to do maintenance. 
They don't have the capacity, and you've hit the nail on the head there, Mr. Godengwana. Uh, Madupi and Kosili, which were intended to provide 25% of the South Africa's generation capacity, should have come fully on stream, all six units at Madupi and Kosili, in 2013 and, t- and 2014, respectively. The reality is that it's now 2015, and we don't have a single unit from these two power stations delivering baseload commercial power into the grid at the moment. They're still testing just one of the 12 units. And that results in a lack of space to do the adequate maintenance, deferred maintenance, and eventually it's caught up with us and we're seeing these problems. But behind all of this is a structural problem within ESCOM. Uh, It is structured as it was 90 years ago, to meet the needs of South Africa 90 years ago. And it's a different country today, different cost structures, rates of exchange, and one needs a different financial model. Indeed. And the question we are asking this morning is, should ESCOM be privatized? What are your views on that? But um, just before I go to the lines, uh, Mr. Godongwana, I mean, the main question for me here has to relate to the poor in South Africa as a developmental state. What sort of implication would the privatization, even partial privatization of ESCOM have on the poor? Let me. I mean, I, from. I mean, I've tried to stay away from the privatization word. I'm trying to look at the financing structure, which will be helpful for us. Let me just give you an example, which is likely to have a huge impact. If ESCOM is granted the current increase, for instance, to recover the cost for the diesel, which is about 12 percent increase on the uh, tariff, in my view, I, I don't support that. That's why I'm, I'm. I'm arguing that we should find ESCOM differently than to putting a hike on the tariff, which the other day I was sitting with the uh, gold CEOs, a number of them, if that, uh, that increase is granted, they're going to shut, shut a number of, of shafts. Uh, two of those mining houses are likely to shed about 30,000 jobs. Clearly, uh, in the, the, the model we're pursuing now is one that's going to be costly for the poor. So fin- a financing arrangement which makes ESCOM not to claim more money from by increasing tariff is the best option. I would agree with that entirely. Uh, you, you know, uh, if, we take a, if we continue on the same path as we're continuing at the moment with price increases in double digits, sometimes 25% a year, if we continue this year after year as we have been doing, the effect on the poor is enormous. The effect on the economy is enormous and the effect on jobs is, is enormous. And that is what we are facing at the moment. The ETOL saga has taught us that you cannot fund everything from the tariff and expect the customer of electricity to capitalize a major new build program. That's what ETOLs has taught us. And we have to look at the option of equity because we've reached the limits of tariffs in the funding and we've also reached the limits of debt in the funding and that leaves equity and there are many very interesting equity options open to ESCOM that could be and should be considered as we move forward if we want to avoid the impact on the economy and on the poor. And looking at, uh, you know, those impacts and, 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 and um, you know, who is consuming what as far as electricity goes, the mining houses, um, a big industry, they are the consumers of the bulk mm. of the electricity that is generated in this country. Well, but not exactly. Uh, can I say that... Uh, 
you know, for example, transportations, the railways, consumes about 30% of South Africa's electricity. Uh, the domestic sector is a big user of electricity in South Africa. How much? Uh, maybe uh, 30% of South And the balance, 40%, is taken by commerce and industry. And if you were to break down commerce and industry, the mining sector actually takes a relatively small portion. I'm not saying small, but maybe 10% of South Africa's electricity. Uh, there are other big industries like the smelters, aluminium smelters, steel uh, chrome and various uh, metal bef- beneficiation, these are big users of electricity. Uh, mm. So the mix of electricity and consumption in South Africa has changed quite considerably over the years. One of the points of contention on that is the fact that the rates that they pay compared to what private households pay is a, is almost... You know, negligible. It's incomparable. But I think one cannot compare a uh, industry which takes a bulk supply from Eskom at, let's say, 132 kV or transmission voltage with a, uh, a domestic user who takes electricity at 220 voltage. There's a huge cost chain from the 132 kV or 220 kV level through to the domestic level. And that's, uh, in fact, the reality is, although I agree with you, the price of electricity for domestic users is higher than that for industrial users in rands per kilowatt hour. But the reality is actually that large industry is cross-subsidizing small consumers uh, in their electricity consumption. So one has to be a bit careful in just looking at the price per kilowatt hour and looks, has to look at the value chain in delivering that electricity. So comes to privatization um, I'm kind of thinking well maybe maybe we should privatize that segment that supplies you know the bigger producers to make sure the lights stay on they don't go out and you know work out something in that sector because as for government I would expect government to still as a matter of redress be electrifying and providing electricity to the poor Mr. Godongwan. In others is as that and uh, there are a lot of technical complications as Chris is trying to indicate. Uh, the guys may be seen to be paying a, a lower, a, a lesser rate, but uh, you, you've got cross subsidization into the system. So, what do you, uh, in, in my view, I mean, we've been trying to explore a different way of doing it. I was talking to the mailing guardian the other day. I was saying, for instance, in 2010, one of the things we're discussing is to what extent can we take some of the new power station. And 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 saturate the income in such a manner that you say, okay, you, the the you give Eskom the money, uh, I mean, equal to the value of these power stations, but in the same time, the the income from these power stations will go back to the pension pension fund. Mm. That's one of the models we're dealing with, we're trying to explore in in 2010. So, my sense is that is not to come to a conclusive. Disc- what we need to do is to look at the different models, as Chris was saying. Which one will be the most appropriate model for the funding for ESCO? In other words, uh, I agree with him. We've run out of the debt space. We've run out of the mm, tariff, tariff, uh, tariff space. I'm definitely opposed to the uh, further 12% increase by ESCO uh, or based no, on. Yeah, uh-uh. definitely or no. All so right. So let's find out from our listeners. What do you think? Uh, should Eskom be privatized? 0891104208. Emmanuel in Bramfontein, good morning. Morning. I just want to say quickly one or two things. The first is that uh, energy is a strategic national strategic sector. And two, energy is also uh, uh, 
uh, utility, public utility. So that, that normally then has to be, the state has to own it because the state is the only organ that can rationally rationalize that one in order to accelerate transformation and distribution. And the other point is, I think one of the key problems we have to, I think, spend more time discussing is the management problem and the capacity that you hinted as very important. So the, the, I think this government has to make a decision here and the ANC has to make a strategic decision. If the energy sector is a strategic one, then they have to put the highest, the highest management capacity in that one and then compromise, not compromise the whole, uh, the whole work. Thank you. Thanks, Emmanuel. Uh, Jeff in Durban, good morning. Good morning, Casino. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I know of a contractor um, who's been working at the Mudupi Power Station, and he says the working staff gets the last day off each month, as well as half the previous day for payday. General workers arrive between 8 and 9 and start working on the substations about 10. Lunch starts at about 11.30 and finishes at about 1400. They leave at about 15.30. These are the general workers pulling in new cables, moving panels, etc. So for very little real work gets done because of the short working hours. Now, um, he, he, he says that uh, uh, the two main chimneys at Madupi have been built facing the wrong direction. They're 180 degrees the wrong way around. This means the pipework will all have to be changed. The efficiency of the blowers will be affected as the pipework is incorrect. He says the management staff is a mess. The staff sit and look at you if you ask them to do anything. They know that if they don't like what you are asking, they can go on strike. And they have done it. So nobody messes with them. Okay. Anyway, you know, there's a number of things and. uh, um, things like lunch, uh, they, uh, one of the local um, people are supplying that always. They never are able to get it to anybody else. And the central kitchen and mess is quite a distance away from many of them. So okay. some of them, it takes them an hour to get to the kitchen. Should Eskom be privatized? And we're in conversation with uh, Mr. Enoch Godongwana, who is the head of the ANC's Economic Transformation Cluster, and also Mr. Chris Yelland, who is an energy analyst and managing director at EE Publishers. And uh, going back to the lines now, I'll come back to the panel and get them to respond. But uh, let me just go back to the lines, uh, speaking to Vuyo in East London now. Good morning. Uh, and thanks for having me. Uh, Sagnina, uh, just, just the two things. I don't think as, uh, uh, ESCOM should be privatized because that would lead to loss of jobs and also it would lead to energy, to electricity being expensive uh, so to the poor. But I think what, what can happen is that if uh, well, ESCOM can ask the public to participate, that is uh, by means of uh, selling shares uh, of a certain settlement to the, to the public, let's say maybe uh, the shares that is starting from a minimum for 1,000 rands, you know, so they will be able to, to sort of... Uh, uh, raise the finance that is, that is needed for ESCOM, but not to be privatized, but a public participation as well. All right. That's uh, Vuyo in East London. Thanks for that. Let's go to Kolani, also in East London. Good morning. Hi, SK. Hi, Kolani. Okay. Okay. I think the privatization is not ideal for many reasons. One of them, you actually, whoever believes in privatization, actually say that the public... Uh, sector space in terms of leadership has is poor, if I were to use the word. Because the issue at hand here is about um, the actual management. The public sector, which is Mr. Inokotongan and his entourage, needs to do an introspection in terms of their leadership skills.
on how they are managing or leading the state uh, entities or his team in leading the state entities. The second part is that once you privatize, it means South Africa must outsource a company from a foreign company to come and run the state entities, which I don't think is a wise thing to do to allow all our public entities to be sold to foreign uh, internationals. All right. Thanks, Kolani. Roger in Rondebosch. Good morning. I wanted to thank, you know, Godongwana so much for clarifying so very, very clearly the problem in ESCOM. He said ESCOM is not in a crisis, it's making a profit. And I think that's fantastic because that clarifies what the mandate of ESCOM is. The problem with ESCOM is the problem of commercialization and now the logical outcome of commercialization, privatization. ESCOM is supposed to be a service to the economy. During this period of escalation of ESCOM costs, manufacturing industry has dropped from over 20% of the uh, GDP down to 13% of the GDP. What we should be looking at is not what Enoch Gorongwana represents, a neoliberal option which is looking for ways to expand areas in which profit can be made. What we need is an ESCOM that serves the economy, develops the economy, builds manufacturing industry where jobs should be being made. So uh, I think one of your speakers talked about being ideologically driven. The opposition to privatization is not ideologically driven. It's the privatization model, the neoliberal model, that's fundamentally ideologically driven. It's the same issue as e-tolls. It's looking for places to make profit at the expense of the masses of the population. Thanks so much, Roger and Rondebosch. Uh, let me start with you, Chris. Yes, there's so many uh, very interesting issues have been raised by listeners. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to uh, answer was this concept that uh, a partial privatization means that government is no longer in control uh, of its state-owned enterprise or in the developmental role of its uh, uh, of its company or its utility. Of course, this is not correct. Uh, one can uh, look at, as Mr. Gwedi Mantasha uh, suggested, the Chinese option, which is nothing more than the sale of a certain non-controlling equity of the of the business, maybe 20%, 30%, 40 uh, in, in the business, uh, while keeping control of the strategic direction of the utility. Uh, the, the question of, of, of uh, you know, in, in getting public participation through shares, this is exactly what one listener suggested, but he started off by saying that he was opposed to privatization. Well, let's not use the word privatization. Let's simply use the question of, in, of getting wider public participation, uh, financial participation uh, in a utility such as Eskom through listing on a, on a stock exchange and allowing uh, people uh, to buy shares and to contribute towards the funding uh, of that, uh, of that uh, business. The last point, uh, Roger, I, I, I must say uh, you, you, you say that uh, uh, you know, uh, we, we need to keep Eskom as a non-profit organization because that protects jobs. You said that Eskom is going to make a profit this year. This is not true. Eskom is budgeted to break even this year. Uh, so they're not uh, going to be making a profit uh, this year if things continue. Uh, and uh, the bottom line is Eskom is causing, in this non-profit model that it's in, is causing a loss of jobs in the economy right now. And it's likely to get considerably worse if we continue on this route.
And uh, Mr. Godongwana, as you uh, take a bite at that, you know, many people angry with you uh, about saying that ESCOM is not in crisis. Zotwa Bongo, for example, says, if there is no crisis, then why are we having load shedding? Uh, let me just start by clarifying that. Uh, if I created the impression that ESCOM is not a crisis, uh, then, then I apologize. The intention was to make a statement that says, in terms of the balance sheet 